So how do we actually reach Mormons? What are we supposed to say to them when they show up at our doorsteps or when we engage them in conversations elsewhere? We're going to talk about that today and a lot more on BibleStudyPodcast.org starting now. Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to BibleStudyPodcast.org. Today is Wednesday, October the 24th. I'm your host, Toby Logsdon, and of course, today being Wednesday, we go through cultural issues and apologetics on Wednesdays. We've been going through a study on Mormonism, and of course, a few weeks ago, we started with an introduction in which we talked about kind of the history and the founding of Mormonism, and then we had the question and answer lesson, and then last week, we uh, we talked about some of the differences between Christianity and Mormonism, or, or the Church of Latter-day Saints, as, as they prefer to be called. And that brings us to this week in which we're going to be talking about some ways to reach Mormons or ways to witness to them. And just to let you know in advance, there are going to be two parts to this, at least two parts. I'm going to try to fit the rest of this in next week, but there's really a lot that goes into this. Mormons are very complicated to reach because there are a lot of things that we have to do in order to be prepared. There are a lot of things that we have to we have to know what to expect, and uh, so this is going to be broken into two lessons at least, I, and I'm, hopefully I'll be able to, to finish it up next week. But uh, this week we're just going to be going over kind of the basics. Before we get started, I do have a couple of announcements. First of all, there's not going to be a study on Galatians this week. There was a sermon on Sunday, but the battery for our recording recording unit died, so it didn't save the sermon. So I apologize for that. I, I really don't have an excuse. If I would have done this Sunday night, you know, it, it might have been, been all right, but, uh, but we have lost that sermon, unfortunately, and I do apologize for that, but I will have something else up for you guys. I'll do another special, uh, special podcast like I did last Thursday, and uh, I, I think it's something that, that you guys will enjoy, and that'll get you ready for some, some studies that are coming up on BibleStudyPodcast.org. I also want to remind you that we do now have a recommended reading list. If you've been going with us through this study on Mormonism, there are some books on there that you're going to want to get. If you've got an interest in apologetics, uh, there's plenty of stuff on there for you. So if you just go to BibleStudyPodcast.org, on the right-hand side, you'll see a little section that says Recommended Reading. And if you click on that, you'll see the books that I would recommend that you pick up in order to uh, to work on your philosophy or apologetics skills. So uh, hopefully, you know, that's something that, that you guys... We'll, uh, we'll take advantage of, and I know that some of you have, have already ordered some books off of there, which is which is exciting for me. It's exciting to, to see you guys having a, a thirst for more knowledge. But let's go ahead and start with, uh, with today's lesson. Again, we're talking about ways to reach Mormons, and today we, we really only have time for the basics. If I were to, to go beyond this, uh, this would be easily a 40 to, to 50 minute podcast. Um, so let's go ahead and start with just some, some fundamental principles that I think you want to keep in mind when you're, when you're witnessing to Mormons. The first thing that I want you to keep in mind is that you can't assume uh, that they necessarily believe everything that Mormonism or, or the Church of Latter-day Saints, as, as they prefer to be called. When you're speaking with them, you might want to refer to it as the Church of Latter-day Saints, but, uh, but for the sake of, of, of this lesson, you know, we'll, we'll refer to it as Mormonism. But, but uh, don't assume that they necessarily believe everything that Mormonism teaches. You know, 
a lot of Mormons really don't know, or maybe they don't understand the teachings of Mormonism themselves. So always question their beliefs in a way that doesn't make them feel uh, small or like they're under attack or like you're patronizing them. For example, you know, you, you might want to word your questions like this. You might want to say, are you aware that the Church of Latter-day Saints believes, you know, so-and-so? And if they say yes, you can ask them if they believe that as well or if they believe that's true as well. Uh, if they say no, you know, you'll need to be able to show where the Church of Latter-day Saints teaches what it is that you're calling into question. And one thing is for sure, you know, when you're going to be speaking to Mormons, when you're going to be witnessing to Mormons, you will need to be prepared. And for that reason, I would strongly encourage you to do some reading on this issue and on this uh, religion or this cult, if you will, if this is something that you take seriously. Ron Rhodes wrote a book called Reasoning from the Scriptures with Mormons, which is listed on my recommended reading on the website. But, you know, the first point that I'm that I'm trying to make here, the first point is to be ready to question what they already believe, but you got to do so in a tactful and and polite and loving manner. The second thing that I want you to keep in mind is that you should always use the King James version of the Bible when you're talking to Mormons. And that's, uh, you know, it's the only translation that the Church of Latter-day Saints or that the Mormons recognize as being valid. While, you know, we might not like the KJV or we might prefer a different translation that's easier to read and easier to understand, we recognize at the same time uh, the authority of the KJV, just like they do. So that gives us a common ground from which we can start to reason with them. And that's one of the most important things you can ever do in any type of witnessing situation is find some common ground with them, whether it's uh, logic or whether it's a point where you both agree on. But remember, they don't reject the Bible. They just think that the Book of Mormon has more authority than the Bible. But don't worry about that because that's a point that we're going to touch on before we're through with this study. Now, as I mentioned briefly in the first podcast on Mormonism, Mormon missionaries tend to travel in pairs. So if they show up at your doorstep, it's not going to be, you know, you talking to one other person. It's not going to be a one-on-one -on -one discussion in all likelihood. So don't let yourself be outnumbered. Don't let yourself be intimidated because there's more of them than there are of you. If you're by yourself and you're uncomfortable with that situation, if you've never uh, witnessed to a Mormon before especially, tell them that you'd really love to have a chance to sit down and talk with them and ask them if they can schedule a time to come back and talk to you. And, you know, nine times out of ten, I'd say most of the time, they're happy to do just that. They will schedule a time to come back and talk to you. And when they come back, you need to have a Christian friend there with you. You know, now you're not outnumbered. And not only that, but with a friend there, if there's something in the conversation that you're forgetting or overlooking or you're just not seeing, your friend can help you out. Uh, or they can sit there and pray for you while you're discussing with the Mormons. But, you know, I know that um, when I watch a chess match, for example, you know, I love chess. I've I've been playing for a few years now and I'm okay at it. I'm, I'm not bad. But, you know, there are times when I'm watching a match when I'll realize that a player doesn't see a move that could potentially result in a check or, or a checkmate. And uh, the same thing happens to me when I'm in the heat of battle. Sometimes I won't see it and, until afterwards. But 
when I'm watching a game, I can see it even when the player doesn't because I'm not in the heat of the moment of the battle. Uh, and this is exactly why you will want to have a friend there with you who not only understands the problems with Mormonism, but also understands their own theology, you know, traditional Orthodox Christian theology like you believe. And uh, so that's that's the third point is have a friend there with you if it's at all possible. The fourth point that I, that I want to bring up here is try not to, to lecture them on why you reject Mormonism. Don't have bullet points printed out or or anything like that where where you're you've you know got a pulpit set up in your front room and you you know and you can preach to them while they sit and listen to you. You know, that's not what you want to do. What you want to do is befriend them. And in order to do that, you're gonna to have to engage them in a meaningful conversation, a two way dialogue, and that's gonna require that you listen to them and uh, and make them feel comfortable. You need to genuinely value them as a human being because if you don't, I can guarantee you there, there's a really good chance that they'll be able to see right through you. So really, you know, before you say or or do anything at all with them, you need to have the love of Christ for them in you. You need to have a passion to not only convert them, but to love them. Just like Jesus loves all sinners, he wants to reach all sinners, including them. So uh, if they don't feel the love of Christ coming from you, you're going to be much less effective in reaching them. And if they figure out the fact that you just want to convert them and you really have no interest in them whatsoever, they're going to they're gonna be gone. You know, you, you will have lost your chance. One thing I want you to keep in mind here is that if they were to abandon Mormonism, if they were to forsake their beliefs, they would very likely lose the support and the connections with their friends and family members. You know, in that regard, it's it's very similar to other cults, such as uh, the Jehovah's Witnesses, for example. You know, if somebody strays from, from the circle, or whatever you want to call it, uh, you know, th- that person is outside of the circle. They can't come back in until they accept those beliefs again. And so uh, there's really an, uh, there's really a process of being ostracized because of rejecting the church that you're going to have to be ready to, to help them through. But uh, the fifth thing that I want to, to mention here is that you need to be able to define your terms and you want to make sure that you do define your terms whenever you come to a term that might be ambiguous because Mormons are notorious for changing definitions of key words such as spirit. Uh, you know, their Jesus isn't the same as our Jesus. Their scripture isn't the same as our scripture. So make sure when you're having a dialogue or, or a conversation with them, make sure that they know exactly what you're talking about. Make sure that you're defining your terms whenever you use a term that they could change the meaning of. Whenever you use a term that might be ambiguous or, or misconstrued in some way, make sure that you are making yourself completely clear. And the last point I want to make here, uh, you know, this is all stuff that you want to do kind of uh, in preparation, get yourself ready for. But the, the, the final thing that I want to make sure of, and this is the most important thing, is make sure that you pray for them and for the situation and for yourself. Pray for strength. Pray before the time that you have assigned to meet with them or the time that you have scheduled to meet with them. Pray when you're reviewing what you're going to talk with them about and start the scheduled meeting time. You know, when, when they show up, invite them in, ask them if they want something to drink and, uh, and, and 
ask if you can start with a word of prayer with them. Just be sure that you are doing the praying, since if you ask me, it's it's just not appropriate for you to join them in prayer to a false god, and that's exactly who it would be directed to if they were to lead the prayer. So make sure that you lead the prayer, and ask the Lord that he would give both of you, or all of you, clarity of mind and an open heart as you examine his word, as you examine scripture, and ask that the Holy Spirit lead you and, and everyone else present into truth as you do so. That's that's vital. You have to pray. Because if you're not praying, you're relying on your own efforts. But, you know, the Holy Spirit has a much better ministry than any of us combined. So make sure that you definitely, definitely get God involved in the process by praying. Now, one thing that you're going to have to be prepared to do and to encounter when when you're when you're witnessing with Mormons, you have to be prepared to reject their personal testimony as evidence. And that's that's key evidence for them. One of the first pieces of evidence that the Mormon will will probably try to pass off on you is their personal testimony. They've been they've been taught to say something like, "I testify to you that Joseph Smith is a prophet of God, the Mormon church is true, and that Jesus is the Christ, the president of the Mormon church is a prophet, and I say this in the name of Jesus Christ." That's something that you will hear from them uh if if they feel threatened. And they might tell you the story of their conversion and how they felt the the burning in their bosom. You know, uh, speaking of this, uh, I kind of, I remember back to the the first time I was talking to a Mormon when when this issue came up, the burning in the bosom. He told me that he had, he'd grown up a Christian, he was raised a Christian, but he always knew that that something was missing. So there was a time when when he was in the army and he had a friend who was in the army with him who who told him about this, this true church and his friend told him that if he would just pray and ask God to show him that the Church of Latter-day Saints was the true church, God would give him a burning in his bosom. So uh, so my friend went off and, and prayed about it, and sure enough, he felt the, the burning in his bosom, and, and he converted to Mormonism. But, uh, you know, I, I do have to warn you about this. Don't don't yield to the temptation to make jokes. Don't don't make any jokes about this type of proof. They take their testimony very seriously, and the last thing you want to do is offend them. You know, uh, back to my example with my friend here. When my friend told me about this, I was totally unprepared. I'd never heard anything like that before, and being uh, yeah, maybe a little bit too uh, too mouthy and and too witty sometimes, particularly back then. Uh, when I was working as a as a casino dealer in Las Vegas, and I really wasn't committed as a Christian, and I really wasn't committed to to reaching people, you know, because I wasn't a committed Christian. So I responded with something like, "Well, you know, uh, I get a burning in my bosom every time I eat the food here too." You know, it was it was something like that, some offhand remark, and uh, you know, I thought it was clever, but my friend didn't think that was funny at all, and uh, that was the end of that conversation. Now, if I had been taking my my faith in in Jesus a little bit more seriously, and if I would have said that. Uh, man, that that would have that would have been devastating. And looking back, you know, I, I just I really wish that I I could have had another chance to to talk to him and to, to clear that up. And I wish I hadn't said that. But uh, that was the end of that conversation. And you know, it was it was only in passing that we talked about that kind of stuff. 
again after that. So, so what you want to tell them when, when they present their testimony is that your own testimony renders their testimony invalid because you testify in the name of Jesus that Joseph Smith is a false prophet, the president of the Church of Latter-day Saints and or Mormonism is not a prophet, and that the Church of Latter-day Saints is not true, and you proclaim this in the name of Jesus. Well, you know, what you've just done here is uh, you've eliminated personal testimony as admissible evidence. What you want to do, you want to explain to them, uh, you want to explain to them that, ter- that personal testimony is important, and you realize that, and you value testimony. But at the same time, it's highly subjective, because it's usually extremely emotionally charged. So you can point out that other religions, and, and this is a good point to bring up, other religions like Islam in particular, also claim that uh, that you'll have a burning in your bosom when, which will authenticate the truth of the religion. You know, Islam will say that you'll get a burning in your bosom, which will uh, verify or authenticate the message of the Quran. But truth isn't what, what you feel. Truth is what corresponds to reality, regardless of feelings or emotions. And you can point out that if you're going to explore claims of truth with them, the conversation has to be based on, you know, purely objective evidence. It can't be subjective at all. And again, it's not because you don't value testimony. It's because testimony is full of feelings, and feelings don't determine what is true. So one thing that you want to be sure to do is know how to respond when they give you their testimony. Now, the next thing we're going to be talking about here is uh, is the last thing that we're going to cover today, and that is the importance of defending the objective meaning of Scripture. Now it doesn't matter if you're if you're talking with uh, with a Mormon or a Jehovah's Witness or uh, an atheist or or whoever you always want to defend the objective meaning of Scripture. One of the fundamental beliefs of Mormonism is that the Bible teaches that there would be uh, you know that there was a prophecy that there would be an apostasy of the true church that was so severe and so widespread that it completely eliminated the existence of true faith and God's message on the earth. It was completely wiped out. So it's more than likely that they are going to be referring you to several verses in scripture. Yes, the Bible and not the Book of Mormon to support this notion. They'll give you verses from the Bible that, you know, supposedly tell you that there's going to be this this huge apostasy that completely wipes out the church. And of course, Joseph Smith was was appointed by God to uh, to revive the church. But, um, you know, in order for you to successfully defend your interpretation of Scripture, you need to be able to objectively determine what a given verse or passage means. And this is something that, uh, you know, I, I can't tell you exactly how to do. This is something that you can really only learn to do with practice. But here are a few tips for correctly interpreting the Bible. First of all, always remember, Scripture interprets Scripture. There are no contradictions in the Bible. And in order to understand some parts of Scripture, we have to rely on other parts of Scripture or or what we absolutely know from other parts of Scripture in order to understand the more difficult verses. Scripture is a unity. There's unity in Scripture. And and so you can really use Scripture to understand Scripture. That's, that's the first point. The second is that you want to look at the context of a verse or passage whenever they bring something up. Who's being written or spoken to? Who is the author? What is the occasion? What just happened prior to this, this verse or passage? And, and what's going to follow this verse or passage? Those are, those are the kinds of questions that you really need to be, to be asking when you are interpreting 
the Bible. You know, let Scripture speak for itself. What does it say? What does it not say? That's that's another question you can ask. Is there, you know, is the Mormon interpretation of the verse or passage in question a necessary conclusion? Is that a necessary interpretation? Or are they maybe reading something into it? You know, I can assure you uh, that they're reading a meaning into passage. That's called eisegesis, rather than extracting meaning from Scripture, which is called exegesis. If they're telling you that the Bible teaches you know, this complete apostasy of the church. And the last thing that I would recommend is get yourself a good commentary. And uh, I've got one listed on our recommended reading list on BibleStudyPodcast.org. It's called the Bible Knowledge Commentary. It's excellent. It's written by the best uh, seminary staff in the last probably 30 or 40 years. These guys were phenomenal. It was out of Dallas Theological Seminary. And uh, that is definitely a good... Um, a good resource for you to have. But there's also the Believer's Bible Commentary by William MacDonald. I would, I would definitely uh, recommend those two above any other commentaries. Those are, those are really good. But let me give you an example of how to interpret passages. And, and these are passages that, uh, or verses that the Mormons will bring up with you. Uh, the first one uh, that, that I'll give you guys for an example is, is Acts chapter 20, verses 29 through 31, which uh, which read, and again, you know, this is KJV, and that's because the Mormons recognize the authority of the KJV. They use the KJV. So uh, Acts 20, verses 29 through 31 says, I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch, and remember, that by the space of three years I ceased not to warn everyone night and day with tears. Now, according to the the Mormon interpretation of this passage, then, uh, Paul was prophesying the total and complete falling away of the church. He was prophesying the the total apostasy of the church. You know, that so-called believers who were trusted by others would give rise to these false teachings, these false doctrines, and everyone uh, who was a a so-called believer would start following these false teachings. So this would lead them into apostasy. Now, uh, remember some of the tips I gave you just a few minutes ago about interpreting scripture. Ask questions. That's something that you always want to do whenever you're reading the Bible. Always ask questions. You know, what's the setting? What's the context? Who's being spoken to? You know, in this passage, who's being spoken to? This is always one of the first questions you'll want to ask when you're interpreting scripture. We can look back here uh, in, in chapter 20, verse 17, and conclusively determine that Paul isn't making a universal prophecy. Instead, he's addressing only a very specific group of people. He's talking to the church leaders of Ephesus. And this is something that was going to happen in their church, in the church of Ephesus, not in the church as a whole. Paul wasn't speaking this to all churches. He was only speaking it to one church. And, you know, further down the road in in Revelation chapter 2, verse 1, we find uh, the fulfillment and the rebuke or, or correction of this prophecy. And at this point, you know, you can go ahead and ask the Mormon, you know, that you're, or the Mormons that you're talking to. According to Acts chapter 20, verse 17, to whom is this addressed? And, you know, looking at verse 17, they should be able to answer that. You know, then you might want to, uh, to compare this passage with other verses in scripture, like, like, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 19, which says, holding faith and a good conscience, which some, having put away concerning faith, have made shipwreck. You know, can we surmise that 
maybe some could possibly refer to the church in Ephesus. Does some mean everyone? You know, of course it doesn't. It means only some, only a portion. And that was exactly what Paul had prophesied to begin with. You know, that's a good question for you to ask them. But, you know, don't be afraid to ask them questions. Let them come to the answers themselves. If they can't do it, you know, help them out. But give them, you know, five, ten minutes to to figure it out. And if you have to ask the question more than once, ask the question more than once. Let them figure it out for themselves. Because if they can come to the conclusion by themselves, then it's something that they found and not something that you put in their brain. So that's one example from Acts chapter 20, verses 29 through 31. Another example is Galatians chapter 1. You know, these are verses that we've been going over in our Galatians study, uh, but those read, I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. Uh, you know, Mormons will, will commonly look at this passage and they'll, they'll turn around and say that this indicates a universal apostasy of the church who would, uh, you know, the church would begin to follow this different gospel. And because the church would follow this different gospel or, or, or another gospel, it would need to be restored. And of course, this became the job that, that God would one day assign to Joseph Smith. Now, you got to point out why this interpretation, why their interpretation of that isn't valid. First of all, looking at this passage and letting it speak for itself, there is no indication in this passage anywhere that the apostasy would be universal. This is written only to the churches in Galatia. And, and point out that Paul was, was referring to the presence of these Judaizers who were teaching a works-based legalistic gospel, which was contrary to the true gospel, the gospel of grace that Paul had taught them. These Judaizers were, were adding laws to the gospel of grace that the churches in Galatia had been taught by Paul. So, so ask them, ask your Mormon friends some questions at this point. Ask them if they can see that if anyone presents a message contrary to the gospel of grace, which Paul had handed down, it is to be rejected outright by believers, and that person is accursed by God. And point out that if the if the gospel of the Mormon church is different from the gospel that Paul taught, then it doesn't matter where the revelation that Joseph Smith received came from. It doesn't matter where it comes from. It has to be rejected outright if it's a different gospel than the one that Paul was teaching. So, you know, ask them, does, does Mormonism teach salvation by grace alone, or do you have to work for it too? You know, and be ready to to refer to or or to cite other passages in Scripture which indicate that we're not saved by works. And you know, if if you've been following our our Romans study, hopefully you've picked up a handful of those in our in our Romans study because that's something that is definitely a theme in the book of Romans. And if you haven't been listening, um, you know, check Romans out. There are some great verses, especially toward the end of chapter three, there that refer to the fact that salvation is only by grace and not by works. So, uh, you know, that concludes our lesson today. We really don't have much more time, and I realize that this is already kind of long, but, you know, I, I don't want you to, to, to miss out on a lot of these points. And honestly, I was trying to figure out, you know, what can I edit out here? And the, the fact is, 
uh, there's really nothing I can edit out here. There's there's just so much that that goes into uh, to witnessing to Mormons that you have to be prepared for, and I want to be able to help you out with that. But uh, you know, again, I would recommend picking up the book "Reasoning from the Scriptures with the Mormons" by Ron Rhodes and Marion Bodine. That is a a great resource. You know, it's a very easy read. It is kind of long. It's it's close to 400 pages long, but everything that you need for witnessing to Mormons is in there. And of course, I would also recommend that you pick up Kingdom of the Cults by uh by Dr. Walter Martin, the the original Bible answer man, and he's got a great section in there on, you know, the beliefs of of Mormons and and why it doesn't why it doesn't work. But uh, you know, I know that we're out of time here, but uh, I just want to keep going. But God bless you guys, and thank you so much for listening today. We will pick this up next week, and we'll talk about some more things that you'll need to know when you are witnessing to Mormons. God bless you guys. Have a great, great week. Again, I do want to remind you guys that we are a nonprofit corporation in the state of North Carolina, and we are a listener-supported ministry. So if you support what we're doing, and if you want to help us with our ministry, if you want to play a part in this ministry, you can make a tax-deductible donation to us by going to BibleStudyPodcast.org. On the right-hand side, you'll see a box that says support. You can click on that and make a tax-deductible donation to us from there if that is what the lord is leading you to do but god bless you guys thank you for listening i will see you next time on biblestudypodcast.org keep growing closer to jesus